0: Hello and welcome to Another Round with Play-Doh, the podcast that gives you an insight into fermentation. Today we got a little bit of a different episode for you, as we are talking to Margot Brienne from uh, Weiner Beer about being transgender in a brand new field of profession for her, which is the brewing industry. I found my talk with Margot interesting and informational, and uh, even a little inspiring, as she represents a minority within the brewing industry. I hope you enjoyed this talk with her as much as I did. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast uh, Margaret Brian, Welcome uh, to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. Um, Co- the tea is silent there, Margot.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. We talked about it before I started recording as well. That uh, my my pronunciation when it comes to names is not the the best. That's not what I'm. Uh, that's not what I'm about. But what I am about is trying to find some really interesting stories. Uh, maybe um, uh, put some light on some topics within our fermentation. Uh, uh, space that has not been talked about that much and uh and that's uh one of the reasons why i'm uh, very excited to to have you on uh just to just to uh take us up to uh present day your background is not within beer even though you are um uh you are working uh with a, a brewery at the moment in chicago so so a little bit about your your background uh, where where's it from
1: sure um So I was, uh, I'm in Chicago, Uh, I'm I'm born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago, uh, Elgin, Illinois. Um, It's about like 50 minutes west of the city. Um, So I was born and raised there. Uh, I moved down to Chicago uh, to go to DePaul University when I was 17. uh, And I studied um, creative writing. And I also uh, double majored in religious anthropology, hmm. uh, and um, from there, I uh, there's like a the word factotum comes to mind, a person who has many jobs. Uh, <laughs> I um, I really didn't settle into a particular career for quite a while after I graduated with those to very marketable and useful degrees. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, just just very business-minded from an early yep. age, I think you can tell. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but I was a paralegal um, immediately out of school. Uh, first an insurance paralegal, and then I worked at a nonprofit. Um, I did, of course, uh, the... Um, weird liberal arts degree to coffee pipeline is rich and robust (laughs) uh i was an apprentice roaster for a couple of years i did some consulting uh helping sort of like existing successful restaurants uh sort of like step into the present with with regard to their coffee system getting people, like, real espresso machines that were working on, like, old push-button ones. <laughs> uh, but the, but they're, like, $150 plate restaurant uh, serving just awful, awful espresso. Anyway, that yeah. was my whole <laughs> shit for a while. Uh, and um, I was a crisis support counselor for a year, um, providing mental health care for strangers. Uh, with no mental health training myself, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one was that that was the hardest job I've ever had. For sure, I can't imagine. Um, but uh, and yeah, the the amount of growth that happened in a job like that, like over such a short period, I was only doing it for a year, but I feel mm. like I grew like five years worth. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> five years worth of epiphanies and growth. Yeah, uh, wasn't sustainable. Uh, no, but <laughs> uh, tough job. I end. <clears throat> I ended up in beer, just uh just this year. So I started mm. working um at Winer Beer in January, uh, and I, I I forgot a few other jobs in there too. Yeah. Uh, I've done a lot of things. So. Yeah,
0: can can understand. And and then you like you said in in January or February you, you came into, um, uh, Winer Beer Company in in Chicago. Um, and, and what made you go, well, it, it didn't, uh, I don't want to seem rude, but it doesn't seem like you have like a clear career path, uh, ahead of you. <laughs> so it might be just coincidence, but, but how did you end up in beer then?
1: Um, I ended up in beer, uh, this is a perfect, uh, segue into this conversation. Actually, I ended up in beer because, um, I was helping, So, Weiner Beer operates out of a building called The Plant in Chicago, Um, and The Plant is sort of, I would describe it as like a sort of like, it's like a sustainable urban agricultural, uh, what's the word? Um, It's like what they call when a bunch of coders live in the same place uh like computer coders incubator yeah uh so um it functions as like a a hub where all of the waste products from all of these like sustainable urban agricultural operations all of their waste products can go into fueling their neighbors basically Mm. uh so like our spent grain fertilizes the crops for closed loop farms uh et cetera, et cetera. Mm. The bees on the roof are pollinating everyone, and etc. Etc. <laughs> um, but, so I was working for a coffee roaster, uh, in the building, um, and, uh, the coffee roaster is four-letter word, um, and four-letter word is co-owned by, uh, well, no, it's, completely owned and operated by Rhea Neri, who is an incredible woman. Uh, one of just my favorite people in Chicago.
0: Mm.
1: Um, she owns four letter. Uh, she's also the co-owner of Weiner.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and so I got to be in the building with everyone from Weiner as a result of knowing Rhea and just seeing everyone coming in and out and, um, and uh, I should also mention my my roommate at the time is who introduced me to Ria. Mm. Um, so shout out Theo, thank yeah. you for introducing me.
0: <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, because but... because uh, Ria and um, Brian Taylor are the the two people behind um, Wine and Beer Company. Um yeah. Uh, Brian, like a, a long time experienced brewer while Ria is a certified Cicerone that I've been doing a lot of work from, from what I could research, uh, with, with restaurants uh, around Chicago and uh, the rest of the U S as well.
1: Yes. Um, uh, that's also, uh, Brian and Ria, sorry. Mm. We we do, we do weird, awful things with eyes in this language, (laughs) don't we? Um, but, uh, I, yes, yeah, so, uh, Rhea and Brian are the uh, co owners. Um, and so Mel is our head brewer, um, mm. Mel Martinez. Uh, and it was meeting Mel that sort of like turned on the light bulb in my head, I guess you could say. Um, mm. Mel is also transgender. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I remember having the thought. I'm like walking through the brewery to get to a different part of the um, plant. And I like see Mel and I'm introduced to them and I'm like walking back to whatever it was I was doing for four letter. And in the back of my head, I hear myself say like, wait, are they letting trans people make beer now? (laughs) I wonder if I could work on this. (laughs) Like the, the light bulb just like flicks on and I'm like, Huh. I might be able to do this. <laughs> and and like it also just it wasn't even just I might be able to make this my job so much as like I've never even considered that a beer industry exists. <laughs> 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 and and like uh and here one is with like folks who are a lot like me working at it already. I would have I guess I just there are <laughs> what's a good number to put here? There's potentially infinite uh <laughs> industries that are not that are not necessarily hospitable to transgender people. Mm. Um and what I mean by that is like If anything, you really have to have, like, a completely co-ed staff uh, in place in order for there to not really be a lot of discomfort for someone who is transgender. Like, it can't just be guys, uh, because that's going to feel strange. Uh, It probably can't just be girls, because that's gonna feel a little strange you're leaving yourself open for like a lot of I don't know every you're leaving yourself open for like there to be circumstances where everyone I don't know uh is talking about you yeah (laughs) uh
0: yeah because because uh just to to generalize the the industry a little bit the, the majority is a little bit like me they're like they're white males with beards and tattoos and uh, uh, somewhere between twenty five and forty five in <laughs> the majority of times and it's it's a very uh, that this is something that it, it i've been in this industry for a long time and it 's become a, a better it 's not good but it 's become better but it 's a very it's a very um uh, it's not a very diverse industry. Uh, but you weren't, you mentioned you weren't even, you didn't even realize that there was a brewing industry. But, <laughs> but, but it was uh, so
1: not on my radar because of exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah. if, if I, if I look up and there, and let's say I'm just like in a room uh, with every employee at a company. And if I look up and all of them look, no offense, but if all of yeah. them look like you, uh, I'm going to be like, cool, they are probably not going to hire me. No. <laughs> like, just based on like the fact that I don't have a vibe that is anything like that. Mm. Uh, and um, I say vibe. And I chose that word specifically, because like, I really don't think that I behave <laughs> all of that differently. Um, from anyone who works in beer, really. At the end of the day, uh, but I definitely look a lot differently and have well, niche uh, interests yes. compared <laughs> to them. <that laughs> uh, but but yeah, I I still uh, seeing Mel in the position, and I think like the first time that I met Mel was they were literally, like, up on the brew deck, like, masher, like, fucking billion-degree water, and, like... <laughs> uh, sorry, I probably shouldn't start
0: like that. Oh, that's um, all right. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um,
1: but, yeah, I, like, walked up on the brew deck, and they introduced themselves, and they are like, okay, I gotta go back to this. And I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> also, coming off of... Um, a working-from-home position and the thought of just, like, working with my hands again in, like, a really big way, because it had been sitting at a desk typing Uh. uh, endlessly um, for a year and a half. Uh, Yeah, I was, like, oh, working in such a physical way and producing, like, a craft product, like, Mm. uh, and the, the sort of, like, Uh, the way that information is shared and sort of, like, trickled down um, is very appealing to me, too, like, for Mm. sort of, like, mentorship that is a little, it's almost necessary. I mean, I guess it's not necessary, but it it seems necessary for at least beer, like, winers that is, Mm. like, so particular.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and I think I think that's one. Uh, it's one thing uh, you mentioned. You're saying if you go into a room and you see and every, everybody looks the same, uh, 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 then it might not be a place place for you. But when I think about craft beer, I think about. Like the 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 diversity, the art, the creativity that goes into the product itself and how it's usually displayed, and also I remember a quote from Sam Caleona, the founder of Dogfish Head, which uh, now it's I think the percentage is a little bit lower, but uh, he said that one of the good things about this uh, this industry is that it's ninety nine percent asshole free. Now I think maybe it's only ninety five, maybe, but still, that's uh, that's that's quite few assholes compared to a lot of uh, other industries. Um, so so have there been like being a, a transgender uh, in modern society today? There um there is uh, for some people like a stigma or a, a misconception on what it is to be a transgender. Uh, but how do you feel? You have been received within this industry compared to maybe uh, other industries or other part of society that you've been in. Um,
1: that's a good question. Um, I think probably uh, better than people would expect, but uh, n- not as stellar as I've been. It's not like the 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 apex of (laughs) the experience for me Um, it's not the best industry that I've worked in for this no Uh, but it is way further up there than I would have expected I think that there's a lot of programs in place or being put in place in craft beer to sort of I don't know uh, shake things up Mm. With regard to diversity, um, I know, for example, um, the Illinois uh, Craft Brewers Guild, um, I just recently went to their uh, guild meeting, and it was like, they presented on a scholarship that they're putting on for uh, um, diversity in brewing, basically, so you can apply to... um, get a scholarship for Cicerone training basically and they'll pay for all of it Mm. Um, and it is like only available to uh, people of color or like um, gay and trans people uh, people who are like typically the minority in the brewing world Um, so programs like that do exist Uh, I think um I think I have like a particular sort of way of carrying myself uh as a trans woman um that uh a lot of other trans people don't love for themselves uh like um like it wouldn't feel comfortable to carry. Uh, themselves with like I don't know. I guess I don't take my self so seriously, especially in professional settings. I have like tried expecting the most from uh people professionally, yeah. uh, and it it ends with like me pissed off or sad, and them confused and not liking trans people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but i i think i try to be like for example um professionally if someone if someone asks me my pronouns Mm. uh for example um which like as you might imagine doesn't happen super often in craft beer but like when it when it does happen uh my answer is going to be uh I take them all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can use whatever pronouns you want. I don't care how you gender me, uh, mm. because like at the end of the day, we are here talking about fear, mm. and we are here talking about like nothing that is even tangentially related to what pronouns I would prefer <laughs> to hear yeah. from someone. So even though I might secretly do have preferred pronouns, which I know that you know. Uh it's she, her, or they them. Um I uh even though I do have those pronouns, it's not a big enough deal to me uh professionally to to expect everyone to like follow what I ask them to. And Mm -hmm. and frankly like I also just don't trust people. There's there's a certain yes. amount of like uh, power that you give to someone when you tell them, I would prefer it if you'd only call me she mm. uh, or they, um, because now they get to decide how much that means to them and put a, an appropriate to them amount of work into making that change for you. Yeah. As opposed to being like, I don't fucking care, dude. Do you want to buy the beer or no, not? No. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't actually talk like that, but no, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I think I have a a particular view of of. I almost don't let people be assholes to me in that way. Like what you were asking, uh, I sidestep the whole experience by being like. Listen, if you, I think when people look at me, they can like see there's probably something gender weird happening going on there.
0: Something's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but, um, and it's okay if you have to cut this for language, but like at the end of the day, uh, if a stranger, whether that's within my professional life or not, but if a stranger, uh, walks away from their first meeting with me thinking, God, that is the most expensive (laughs) I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. Uh, They're like 90% right. Yep. (laughs) Uh, As far as, (laughs) and and again, that's not like a popular take among trans people. Uh, But like, I do genuinely feel that a lot of the... I was hated for loving men for a long time before I was hated for being a girl. <laughs> mm. Uh and so like if people want to sort of like only get that far in terms of like their applying their understanding to what makes me so different from other people they've seen before, that's fine. Yeah. Like you're 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 so close to getting it uh that like sure yeah i and and there's nothing there's nothing inherently uh offensive to me to being characterized by my love for men Mm.
0: uh
1: because ultimately like yeah if, if you got that part of it that's like a big part of who I am.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs>
1: kudos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: but I think that uh, I think you bring up an interesting point because uh, we don't have uh, we don't have time for and this is not the sort of podcast that will take like uh, cultural uh, and try to find <laughs> sure. some cultural uh, solutions here. We don't. Uh, I mean, people don't have that many hours to spend on a podcast. No. Yeah. But but this is something. Uh, uh using um like queer led or queer supporting um uh, within the brewing space has become a little bit more of a thing in the recent uh recent years and um uh, is is this a good or a bad thing? And the reason why I'm asking asking you as someone w- within this community is uh, the good thing is, of course, it helps educate and showcase uh, it to people like me who is uh, who I am, uh, but with little knowledge of the community. But in an, another way, maybe it's a little bit like you're mentioning that not everyone is um, uh, super positive about having... Sort of their community and what they are being exposed in that way so do you think that in the creativity of the brewing space using um lgbtq um in uh, in a way could be uh is, is it a good or a bad thing it's basically what i'm asking
1: sure uh i think it's only a good thing um i i really don't the what i want for every gay and trans person is to be gainfully employed uh and to not get harassed at their job Mm. and i think that uh having it's it's always going to be there's like almost a sort of like responsibility, I think, on like the first group of trans people to sort of like show up in a particular industry um, because they're doing a sort of groundwork of education, yeah. uh, whether they even just by existing, like even <laughs> uh, just by like living their life and showing everybody else at this job who has never even seen a trans person before. Uh, let alone spoken to one. Mm. Uh, just showing them like, I'm a person who comes to work and does their job. I think jokes are funny, like <laughs> <laughs> like uh, i I like beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think showing people that is the most important work that we can do. So that the next sort of round of trans people that will be like entering the job force will not have to educate everybody. There will already be have been,
0: uh, I, yeah, someone who has has gone before, and, and exactly so someone who has way. gone
1: before. Um, I,
0: I, I've had the same discussion with uh, Garrett Oliver a few times when uh, a few times when he. Uh, He got started in the brewing industry and he was the only black person within this uh, space. Uh, And I think it's just that, uh, yeah, it's just someone have to be the first, unfortunately. Uh, And that's for good and for for bad, I think. Totally. Uh, but but as a, as a transgender and a, a representative of the um, the LGBTQ plus community, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you've been in in this space for for yeah. almost a year now, uh, do you, is there something that you hope and and wish for for the development of the brewing industry with this community in mind?
1: Hmm. Um, uh, I think. As far as like specific hopes, I would hope that we will see. Uh, I hope that we can start to uh, dismantle the association in all of our own heads collectively that uh, like, the expectation that beer is a place for, like, guys with beards, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, um, I think it's still sort of, like, a cultural phenomenon that gay people drink less beer, mm. <laughs> uh, and uh, Agreed. I think a lot of it has left to do with the fact that like gay palates don't like beer for yes. some reason. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of it has more to do with just the culture surrounding who makes it, uh, mm. who you have to talk to, if you would like to learn more about it. Uh, and I think that is where I have to really, uh, Give our brewmaster Brian like a lot of credit. Um, he is somebody who genuinely like does not <laughs> like. He he. It's not that he doesn't care about like what gender you are. It's just that he cares so much more that you understand what you're doing. Yeah, uh, and that's what makes him such an incredible teacher. And I think that he would probably tell you it was a complete accident that he hired two transgender brewers in a row. Yeah, <laughs> they were the best candidates for the job both times, even though there were people when I interviewed who had more experience, uh, mm. more applicable experience. Um, but yeah so I really got to hand it to him for that for he is a special kind of person in that he like never uh needed the education I guess like he's Mm. still learning things about like language and how to speak about uh transgender people and issues and everything but like there's never been a single question about like how he views us as human beings, and mm-hmm. I uh, I think that that is rare uh, yeah. <laughs> in the beer industry. Like I feel genuinely when I'm meeting a new person in the beer world, which happens every single day because I do sales now. <laughs> uh, when I, every time I meet a new beer person, there's never any reason to believe that this person will, like, look me in the eye and, like, Mm. will listen to what I'm saying to them. Uh, I get to figure that out (laughs) Uh, after sitting down. (laughs) Um, uh, But um, Brian was, uh, I mean, yeah, Brian and Rhea both Mm. uh, um, are both just so uh i think i think what it is is that they're both craft and passion oriented and when you are like genuinely craft and passion oriented like you don't care who your employee is you are looking for someone who you know will like water that seed that you Hmm. plant in them uh and who will like care for this passion uh, that you're imparting.
0: Out mm. there. Yeah, I think I, th- I think you're right. We we need more like Brian, <laughs> people that people that just see people for people, <laughs> and not care yeah. about everything else that is uh, that quote unquote might be in the way, but it, it's not really. It's just about the uh, um, the lack of knowledge. And uh, and actually, that's that's something I want to ask you uh, about as well. For for someone like me, who is uh, fairly uh, unknowledgeable about your community. Uh, what? Uh, what do you wish people like me did, or what can we do to to support the community in uh, in our everyday uh, everyday everyday work?
1: Sure. Uh, I think. Um. I think the the sort of like canned response to this question that I feel almost obligated to give is that like. Doing one's own research is like the highest sort of like compliment and favor uh that you can do for transgender people. It's just like genuinely not even asking a trans person sorry to say this immediately after you just asked me the question, but uh but genuinely uh Unless you're doing a podcast with them, Uh, (laughs) not asking a trans person, like, can you point me to specific resources? I'd say, like, the number one thing that you can do is to, like, seek out those resources yourself, be as discerning as you would be reading news about any other current affair, uh, which is to say, like, pay close attention to your sources that you're reading from uh but um yeah i would i would seek out uh education on one's own time an education that is geared specifically towards language because hmm. it doesn't matter <laughs> if or that you one doesn't understand trans people or like the trans experience we don't care uh what we do care about is how you speak about us uh and it's very very simple to change the way that you speak about us it will take some digging and work for you (laughs) to like understand where we're actually coming from Mm. uh and and i think that it's only possible once you have internalized the language of our experience mm. um so that's my canned answer yeah um, <laughs> my real answer uh is to befriend a transgender person uh to genuinely like don't do it like because they're trans but like
0: <laughs> that would be we a little are, creepy.
1: <laughs> we are everywhere and it will not be long before you encounter one of us in the wild. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and my and I say this because this is the way that I learned how to speak about trans issues and trans experience was because I used to be cisgender. I was not born transgender, mm. uh, and I uh, I had to do the same thing when I when I first met a transgender person um, for the very first time, uh, I knew that ways that I was speaking was hurting their feelings. Uh, so I and and they were not as forthcoming as me about like, being like, hey, no, you, you said that wrong, go yeah. back, try again. Uh, and I had to figure it all out. I had to do my own research and then wouldn't you know it, uh, one day after like spending an hour reading about the transgender experience, I have the thought like, huh, I wonder why I am taking this like so seriously. I wonder why it's so important to me that I learn how to treat my friend with respect and love. Uh, And I was like, oh, it's because I think everyone should treat me like this <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so that that that's why I share that as an answer. I, I mm. never would have I never would have found the work necessary if I had never loved another trans person. So mm. that's why my advice is to befriend a trans person and to care about them and care about their feelings. And you'll learn very quickly. <laughs> how not to make them sad.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, I think um uh coming coming from uh, from my place I think it's a little bit about the the insecurity as well uh for us for not wanting to do or say something um uh, uh bad or that is can be interpreted as bad when the uh, the intent is is positive but I I also 100% uh, understand uh don't ask a trans person how to treat a trans person uh, when you say it like that. Because uh, uh, yeah, if I if I am serving um, if I am serving a, a a nice beer, of course I want the people that drink the beer to know about the beer a little bit before uh before they consume it so i want them to know yeah. there is a difference between uh a stout and a pilsner and i expect them quote-unquote to do a little bit of research on their own before they get there and then sort of the finer minute details you can you can share and, and teach them but uh, um yeah like just do do uh, like a, a minimum of effort <laughs> i think is uh a, a good exactly. way to do it so, um, so yeah, you you you've shared a lot, and I I really appreciate your your openness and 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 I gotta I gotta admit we have not talked that much about the beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <talk about> beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just your your way in now, you you have shared uh, you have shared how it's uh, how it's been and a little bit why you got into to 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 Weiner. um, but but. uh, what are some of the as as a as a newbie into our uh, industry? Um, what are some of the the cool things that you did not expect starting at at the winer?
1: Oh, I could go on and on with this question. <laughs> um, I uh, so I mentioned before that I have a religious studies degree. Um, mm. My interest in beer sort of began as an interest in fermentation um and my interest in fermentation started because of uh this specific woman um she's called the cheese nun
0: oh yeah i've heard about her
1: uh oh great fantastic (laughs) uh so she yeah i'll I'll give you the cliff notes of her then uh she's she was told by the fda that she could not uh continue to create her like um unpasteurized cheese uh you had to shut it down even though it was like microbially safe Mm. uh and she had the faith that it was microbially safe but couldn't prove it so she (laughs) got a doctorate in microbiology (laughs) uh and came to the fda and was like this is safer than other cheese (laughs) uh (laughs) um cheese that is made with stainless because like cheese that is made in stainless doesn't have bacteria Mm. which live in the wooden buckets that i produce mine in uh and the bacteria in the buckets though we think of it as like bad it's actually good and it eats more of the bad stuff out of the cheese than uh, because it's had more time to build up, and, uh, yeah, anyway, um, she proved that, and she has this quote, uh, that says, she says that fermentation is a promise of life after death, um, and, uh, that quote just sort of blew my entire mind, uh, I, um, Faith is like a really interesting and challenging whole other thing for me, but uh, I I completely agree with that quote. Uh, mm. and so getting to um, getting to see the way that brewing is all sort of built around, uh controlling the alchemy of fermentation um and and i mean i'm gonna use this word uh you might think it's overselling it but like the mystery of fermentation uh i know we know a lot about it (laughs) but um it's still such a natural process. And every step of brewing to me, I understand them all as being like our efforts at controlling this natural process as best we can. Yep. Uh, And and then flavoring it but (laughs) uh, but the actual brewing itself I think of as being Uh, for lack of a better word and not to sound all woo-woo, but like a type of alchemy and Mm. like we're making something life-giving and something beautiful out of something dead. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know. It it means a lot to me to, to, be able to watch every step of that process and to be Mm. able to like get my hands dirty in every step of that process. Uh, Even like packaging, like I think is like this. uh, um, I think of the canning line. I mean, everyone's got their canning line horror stories, right? Uh, I, I think of the canning line as like, literally like, it reminds me of working on cars when I was growing up. Mm. I grew up working on like going to one garage, which was the garage that had all the tools in it, and then everyone would like come hang out for the entire day to fix the car, and we'd all Mm. drink beer, and that—that's what the canning line feels like to me. Like it's basically a car; (laughs) it might as well be a car. Uh, It's got same elegance tools to work on it. Uh, (laughs) Um. But uh, yeah, the and and the sort of like, well, uh, I adjusted this, and that, it turns out that wasn't the problem. All right, fire <laughs> it back up. We gotta we gotta ruin ten more cans before we can see how it's failing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bye. but
0: i think i i actually have to to retract my previous statement here because i said just looking by your uh, by your development it doesn't seem like you have a, a or i insinuated that you don't have like a clear um uh like professional uh path that you're going down to become uh, x y or c in terms of your education but uh, you're talking about you're talking about fermentation before you started with your bachelor uh, and now here you are doing uh, doing fermentation uh, on a day to day scale so it it seems like fermentation is really uh, is really what it's all about creating something uh, something unique
1: something unique uh something that i think one of my favorite things about wine or beer is that they all taste fermented mm. like they've all got the sort of uh funk that i associate with fermentation Mm. um a lot of beers will try to like i don't know i don't know i feel like a lot of successful beers especially are almost like trying to minimize yeasty flavors as much as possible Mm. uh unless it's like a belgian or something like that but yeah (laughs) uh, but uh i don't know especially in like lagers ipas uh ap is like stuff like that i feel like people want to minimize ester flavors mm. and weiner is like our whole stick in a lot of ways <laughs> is like let's push towards the ester flavors yeah let's, like find the ones that are really good and not off flavors uh and like push into them rather than shying away from them
0: yep yeah, and that uh, that's seems to be the whole like I said, the whole shtick in, in terms of uh, uh doing a lot of uh, blending. Uh, um uh, is what you do. use a lot of the Samson yeast and it's uh, it's a bit like you Margot, it's uh, it's expressional uh, products that you're creating. So I uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, I yeah appreciate that too <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah I think we're going to start wrapping things up I just want to to thank you for for spending the time with me sharing a little bit of your stories um, uh, help guide us and uh, un- not knowledgeable uh, into this world and and uh, yeah Margot I just want to say thank you for for joining us thank you Thank you for coming with me to Chicago and uh, listening to my talk with Margot (laughs) from Weiner Beer. I feel like this talk was a good insight into the diversity in our industry, which was very interesting and you how it's perceived by someone transgender. So, um, good, like, this we time were we were in Chicago, and next time, well, who knows? Because this podcast is taking you all around the world of fermentation. So, uh, I guess you just have to subscribe to join us on the next next episode of uh, Another Round oh, with Play-Doh. Do. Oh, Play Doh. As always, guy. sharing is caring. So, do feel free to share this with uh, a co worker, uh, fellow brewer. Or uh, just a friend that you think will have some value in listening to Another Round with Play-Doh. And until next time, have fun, drink well, and take care.